Good evening, everyone. Good to see you all. <clears throat> so, um, before we start, I think we'll we'll do a short sitting to settle into the evening. I'll have a few uh, things to say, and then we'll sit again, um, sort of with some of my remarks hopefully in mind for that second sitting. For those of you who are totally new to meditation, um, don't worry. This is um, meant to be accessible to people who are totally new and yet hopefully useful for people who've been sitting for a while. Um, but before we do our opening sitting, um, I'd like to ask those of you who have meditated before to do just a bit of reflection. Um, I'd like you to think about where you feel practice is difficult for you these days, where, where are your edges? Um, what, um, when you're practicing both on the cushion and in everyday life, where do you feel like you're being called to go farther? Um, I think um, I'm gonna I'm gonna read a little bit of um, Ezra's uh, what is our life about during class tonight? But um, actually, I'll, I'll just read maybe the first stanza of it here as a way of getting started. So it's a text that um, uh, a friend of mine, a uh, person I consider my teacher, uh, wrote when he was 50 years old. And um, uh, I guess it'd be weird not to acknowledge that he's here tonight. So anyway, it's good to see you, Ezra. <laughs> and good to see Elizabeth as well. Um, but um, but he wrote it when he turned 50 as a way of um, sort of trying to keep in mind what he thought practice was really about. You know, um, what, is, what is it we're doing when we sit or when we do what's called practice or Zen practice? Um, it's for my, you know, in my view, I think one of the best succinct accounts of what um, practice is really, really ultimately about. And I, I refer to this text all the time um, to, to keep me oriented um, and also just for inspiration. But the first stanza of this poem-like text reads as follows. So what is our life about? Our aspiration, our calling, our desire for a genuine life is to see the truth of who we really are, that the nature of our being is connectedness and love, not the illusion of a separate self to which our suffering clings. It is from this awareness that life can flow through us, the unconditioned manifesting freely as our conditioned body. I'm going to read the, the, 
second stanza of this text a little bit later. And, and actually it's that second stanza that I shared in an email with all of you. And that will be the focus of my remarks tonight. But, um, you know, in this practice of trying to see the truth of who we really are, waking up to connectedness and love that is our essence, right? To wake up from the illusion of our separateness as Thich Nhat Hanh, I think beautifully put it, um, and to try to experience the possibility of life flowing through us, right? Rather than think that kind of often um, kind of awkward, hesitant, crabby way in which we so often find ourselves navigating through life. Um, not flowing, right? But kind of often directed from up here in our head, trying to kind of um, doing our best to figure out how to, how to like protect ourselves, how to make, get, get by, right? Not be hurt, all these things. So um, given this picture of practice, what I want all of us to think about and as a way of opening this evening is, where are we continuing to hold, right? Where are we continuing to um, protect ourselves, hold ourselves back from both ourselves and others, from life, um, closing down our heart, often not because we want to have a closed heart, but because we're trying to protect ourselves from being hurt, being too vulnerable. So what, what are the ways in which we feel ourselves to be withholding, holding back a bit? This is what I mean by where is the edge of our practice, right? Where is that point where as we open, right? As we open into life, open to others, we feel ourselves withholding, holding back. What are the kinds of moments and the kinds of situations where you feel yourself doing this? And where do you feel it in the body? What does it feel like in the mind and heart when you, when you see yourself doing this? Um, it's so easy to get complacent, get into a rut with something like practice, just sit every day and think that by doing that, you know, it's enough. And of course it's a lot. But where, where's practice asking us to open further? And where do we feel ourselves holding back? Okay, all right. Um, so I'd like you to just think about that. And then also think about whether or not there are any questions that arise as you think about how to practice with this place within you that you feel yourself holding, you know? How do you approach those places within yourself where you withhold, where you hold back, where you protect yourself, where you don't open in the way that part of you clearly feels called to, which is why you're all here, right? So what kinds of questions arise in you when you think about how do I work with this? How do I practice with this? How do I actually open right, further? How do I open into my life as it is, open my heart to others? 
there will hopefully be some time at the end of this class to ask questions. Um, and so part of the reason I'm asking you to give some reflection to this now is so that you think as class goes on about what you might want to ask about either tonight or in a future class. Um, and also, um, I'm actually going to respond during the Q&A period of tonight's class to a question that someone emailed uh, me two classes ago. Um, we had a discussion and after that class, she, she wanted to ask me a question that was coming up for her in her practice. And so I'm gonna read that question out loud later on and offer my response to it. But I also wanna invite people, if there are certain kinds of questions that you don't feel comfortable asking, um in public feel free to email me your question as well between classes i'll be happy to respond to them in a in an anonymous way you know so if, if that feels more comfortable for you if what you're asking will feel too personal to talk about in a public setting okay uh, i don't think that's the case with the question that i'm going to take tonight uh, from my email but um i can imagine that some people might feel more comfortable raising questions in this way. As much as possible, I'd like class going forward to be um, even a bit more interactive and more responsive to where each of you are in your own practice than it's been over the last couple of months. And so it's just, I'm sort of priming everyone to think about like, what should we talk about? What's alive for you, right, in your practice? Okay, all right. So let's sit for a few minutes and then I'll talk about the second verse in Ezra's What's Our Life About? So um, for those of you who are new to practice, please um, just sit in a comfortable position. You can sit on the floor or on a seat. If you're um, not feeling able to, feel free to lie down uh, flat on your back. It's actually a very good posture for meditation. The only problem is it's um, much easier to fall asleep in that position, which is why people generally meditate in an upright position. And so if you're able to, I encourage you to sit upright and have your back be straight and your front side soft and open so that your belly and your chest can move freely. And to begin, just please take a few deep breaths, inhaling deeply through your nose, a long, slow, deep inhalation, feeling your entire upper body Fill up with air and then exhale slowly through your slightly open mouth, letting the exhalation be nice and slow. Breathing into the nose again. And as you breathe in, feel the lower back, the entire spine elongate. And as you exhale, feel the body just hang on the spine that supports it. And just take a couple more deep in and out breaths in this way, slow and deep through the nose and out through your slightly open mouth, nice and slow. And now what I'd like you to do is to bring your awareness to the very center of your chest, your sternum, breastbone area. And just feel the sensations 
there in the center of your chest that are associated with the rise and fall of the chest as you breathe in and out. And we're not thinking about the breath. We're feeling the sensations, the physical sensations in the chest. They're associated with the breath. For some of you, your chest may feel tight, even hard. For others, it may feel raw or tender. For others, soft, warm or open. Just please know there is no right way for the chest to feel. Just pay attention to however it feels. And notice how the sensations here in the center of your chest subtly change throughout the course of each in-breath and out-breath. Whenever a thought pulls you away from the breath so that you lose track of the breath completely, just notice what that thought is. You might say to yourself, thinking to acknowledge that you've been thinking and then gently bring your awareness back to the breath, back to the center of your chest. And as we continue sitting, allow your awareness of the sensations of the breath to just deepen, become finer grained. Try to notice how the sensations in the chest are different at the beginning, the middle and the end of each in-breath and out-breath.
And as you follow your breath in this way, if you notice any tension or holding in the breath, whether in the chest or the belly or elsewhere in your body, bring a soft and open awareness to that place of holding. Open yourself to those sensations of tension or holding and let them be there. Just feel them, just experience them. And try not to tighten up around them. It's very natural for the awareness to get tight around areas of tension that it encounters. Instead, see if you can let your awareness be open and soft, letting even sensation of discomfort, tension, just float there in an open awareness as room for it. Okay, it's good for just the opening meditation, just to get us into the evening. Um, feel free to continue sitting or feel free to move if you'd like to be more comfortable. Um, we'll sit again um, in just a little bit, but I just wanna say a bit um, before we do that. So, I'm not gonna read all of what is our life about. I'm just gonna read the first two stanzas. I'm gonna read the first stanza again, and then I'm gonna read the second stanza or verse, which is the one that I wanna focus on tonight. Um, so our aspiration, our calling, our desire for a genuine life, is see, to see the truth of who we really are. The nature of our being is connectedness and love, not the illusion of a separate self to which our suffering clings. It is from this awareness that life can flow through us the unconditioned manifesting freely as our conditioned body. And what is the path? To learn to reside in whatever life 
presents, to learn to attend to all of those things that block the flow of a more open life and to see them as the very path to awakening. All of the constructs, the identities, the holding back, the protections, all the fears, the self-judgments, the blame, all that separates us from letting life be. So the reason I want to discuss this second verse of what is our life about is because I think it contains one of the most important, um, it discusses one of the most important elements of a mature meditation practice. One that took me embarrassingly long, I think to really get and to learn. Um, I was so intent on seeing practice as opening, as um, moving beyond my closed offness, right? As, um, as opening my heart, as um, getting beyond the ego, all these things. I was so intent on all that language as just opening, right? That um, I couldn't help but see all the places in my mind and my body that held back or experienced tension as obstacles, like things that I needed to, to get over, that practice was supposed to help me just move beyond. Um, and so I always approached them as problems, you know, problems that meditation practice should in some way help me solve, you know, get over. Um, I was practicing um, to get away from the tension in my body. And I think that what these lines say and what was so hard for me to learn is that even if practice is ultimately about opening our hearts, you know, becoming open to, to life and to others, the path to that kind of opening goes through an embrace of that which closes us off, that which separates us. Um, to see all these things, right, that block the flow of a more open life as the very path to awakening. Um, this took me so long to get and even longer to start to actually do. And I think it's actually um, having taught meditation now at the college for five or so years, I think it's actually one of the most important lessons, basic lessons about meditation practice. Um, it's, it's one of the things I think students repeatedly tell me is the most transformative thing for them to learn either in the academic classes where I teach meditation or in these Tuesday night sessions which is that finding peace actually requires us to learn to actually love those parts of us that um, pull back 
in protectiveness or fear or pain, right? The very things in us that hold us back are the parts of us that are begging, calling out for acknowledgement, right? And attention and care. And it's so easy to approach practice in this subtly self-aggressive way where we're, what we're really trying to do is just get rid of parts of ourselves, the part of ourselves where we feel tight, where we feel anxious, where we feel like we're, we're holding ourselves back in some way that we just wanna get over. Like, why can't I just live, right? Why can't I just be more natural? Why can't I just be there for other people? Why can't I just be there for myself in a more natural way? So why can't I just get over these parts of myself where I feel like, like a, a holding, like a, a tightening, you know? The key is to open to those parts of us to hold back and to really attend to them with compassion, curiosity, and care, to really do that. Um, I'll give you uh, just a little example of, you know, what it took for me to, I think, learn learned this lesson. When I was living at the Snow Mountain Zen Center, when I was a teenager, you know, 18 to 22 years old, at some point during my time there, a very, very tight band of tension started to arise, like right below my rib cage, you know, um, like right, kind of right where the diaphragm is. Um, and at first, I was convinced it was just, I think I'd done something to tweak my body. So, you know, that was coincided with the emergence of the sensation. So I just convinced myself it was muscle tension. You know, or maybe it was, it was provoked by an injury of some kind, right? But it was just, um, it was just muscular, you know? And um, the Zen Center covered room and board, you know? Um, you know, I, I worked there as the cook and so room and board was covered. And we got like $100 a week as a kind of stipend or something like that. Maybe it was $100 every other week. It's not much, but I didn't need that money for anything because all of my living expenses were covered at the Zen Center. So I remember there was a period of like three or four months when I was experiencing this kind of band of tension where I spent almost every penny of that money on massage therapy, <laughs> chiropractic work, you know, um, something that would just help me deal with this really irritating physical sort of, you know, kind of problem, you know. And I'm embarrassed to say, but it took me months. I mean, I think like four or five months of sitting, trying to just like get the muscles to relax, going in my free time to get massage therapy or chiropractic work. And I remember the chiropractor said, saying like, there's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> you know, nothing's going on. Um, and I was like, no, you're like, I feel it. Something's wrong here, right? Um, and, uh, and where I started to just realize, I mean, really see, not, not, it wasn't intellectual. I started to really see it's my own mind, my own emotions that are producing this tension. You know, it's, it's actually not just some kind of physical injury or physical ailment that I'm suffering from as if it's like something that just befell me, 
but it's something within me, my own psychological patterns or structures that was creating this tension and holding it in place. Um, and it wasn't too long after I figured that out that I realized it was fear, that it was fear that was just sort of in some way like locked in place. It felt immovable. You know, it was there from the moment I woke up to when I went to sleep. And I remember always like kind of tweaking my body, trying to get the tension to release in some way, you know, and the massage therapy would work maybe for like an hour, you know, and then the, the tension would reassert itself. And then once I realized that it was fear, I tried to use meditation to get rid of the fear, you know, to, to make my body relax. Like I kept feeling like if I could just get into a deep enough meditative state, it would let go, right? It would release. And then luckily I um, was in regular conversation with Ezra and he was already starting to formulate the vision of practice that he articulates in this text. And, you know, because I had the good fortune to be able to talk to him about practice and all this, I started to realize that what I needed to do was actually start to really explore what these sensations were, what this fear was, not figure out ways to get rid of it, but really just to see what was going on. Like, what is it? What is this fear really? You know, um, and to explore it with curiosity and even some kind of compassion. But of course, every time I approach this tension in my body, it was almost like, I mean, the, a word that comes to mind really readily is like flinching. Like my mind didn't even want to get close to it as it got, let's start to move towards these sensations of tightness and these feelings of fear. Like my mind would kind of balk and it would just clench up almost tighter at the thought of approaching it. And so I think one of the real um, tricks of moving into places where we experience ourselves, carrying tension like this, old fears, old other forms of withholding, whatever they may be, and all of us have different versions of this. I'm not saying that what I felt is what you're feeling, but I think we each have our own different versions of the, these places where we hold you know, so tightly in different ways. And to approach it took time because I had to first get very familiar with, try to become friendly with the resistance to getting near it. And it wasn't even a question of could I get near it right away. First was actually really becoming intimate with the resistance that held a tight grip around it that wouldn't even let me get close to it. And then after some time being with it in that way, I could move beyond that into the fear itself. And then once in a while, I would get these thoughts like, okay, I, I, I can get rid of it. If I can just see through it, right? If I can just understand it, I'll go away. And then the fear would tighten up again, right? And I start to recognize in a very deep way 
that my very desire to get rid of this fear was actually feeding it, that perhaps even my desire to get rid of it was just another form this fear took. Um, and so the question became, how can I actually lean into my experience as it is, open to myself as I am, and not approach practice as this way of trying to get rid of some part of myself that I don't want, which just creates inner division and creates more of the very kind of suffering that we're trying to move away from as we practice. So um, the trick, I don't know, it's not a trick, that's the wrong word, because it's actually not a technique. It's not a trick, it's not a method. I think the best way to describe it is an attitude. It's an attitude of actually wanting to be open to how we are, right? Wanting actually to open who we are. So, um, you know, let's sit for a little bit more and then I want us to all spend some time working in this way with whatever places in us seem to be holding back in the way that I described. And for each of you, it will be slightly different. It may not be fear in the chest, but maybe it's a tension in the throat. Maybe it's a hardness in the heart or something else. And it may be that for some of you, you're not feeling this at all right now, and that's okay. Just follow the breath. But my guess is that some of you can relate. And if you can feel this place within you that is carrying this kind of old protectiveness, fearfulness, tension, can you let your awareness gently move into those sensations? And then notice the way that your mind box wants to push it away move away the way that you may want to take flight into fantasy or distraction. Notice what the mind does as you move towards this difficulty or discomfort and see if you can gently coax awareness into this place, um, moving into that which blocks the flow of your open life. All right. So let's, um, just sit again for about 10 minutes, okay? So please assume a sitting posture again. Perhaps just take one or two deep breaths this time to settle into this posture. And now let your awareness just begin following your breath once again in the center of the chest. And, and let your awareness now gently move to wherever in your body 
you may feel any discomfort or holding or tension. And if you encounter resistance to the very thought of moving towards the discomfort, especially as you approach closely, instead of trying to blow through the resistance, let your awareness just pause at the resistance itself and explore with curiosity what it feels like to not want to experience something within yourself, to not want to get near it. How does that feel in the body? And what kinds of thoughts emerge at this prospect? And if the best you can do is just stay with the resistance, just stay there, there's no rush. This process shouldn't be rushed, it can't be rushed. If the most you can do is just explore the resistance around the discomfort, then just stay there. But if you can move now into the discomfort itself, let the awareness gently slowly move towards the discomfort itself. And notice what the sensations feel like in this place of tension, discomfort, holding. Do you feel tingliness or tightness, any throbbing? any numbness, just explore the sensations with curiosity. And remember that the key is attitude. Notice if you find yourself approaching this discomfort with a hidden agenda, an ulterior motive to make it go away. And then just notice that with as much gentleness as possible. But see if you can cultivate or bring to mind an attitude of genuine curiosity. Sometimes it helps to say hello to discomfort, to uncomfortable feelings or emotions. Not the kind of hello we do when we're just kind of perfunctorily saying hello to someone in the hall but the kind of hello that you'd say to someone you want to stop and really talk to. 
can you say hello, genuine hello to this discomfort or this tension or whatever it may be for you? Can you just let whatever sensations you find here, however uncomfortable they may be, can you just let them be? It would be natural for the mind to want to avoid moving into discomfort of any kind. So don't be surprised if you find yourself doing that. And the most important thing is to not judge yourself for that. Just notice the way that you're avoiding moving into discomfort. Notice what thoughts come up, notice how it feels to avoid and just try to let that be, be curious about that with gentleness and compassion. And now for the final two minutes of this sitting, I encourage you to start breathing a bit more deeply into the place where you feel like there is tension or holding. If you're noticing a place that's tight, visualize your breath 
being drawn into that area and let the breath be just a bit fuller. You're not, don't force it, don't breathe too deeply, but just let the breath move into this area of withholding or discomfort, aerating it as it were, breathing a bit of oxygen into it and see how that affects the sensations in this area. You're not trying to get rid of the tension, just breathing a bit more air into this area and seeing how that does or does not affect the sensations there. Okay, that's good for this second meditation period. Um, so, I don't know how to describe in rational terms what happens when one attends to places of tightness or discomfort in this way, but over time, it softens and opens these deep old places of fear and pain in ways that trying to use meditation to make them go away can't accomplish. Um, and I think that was for me, I think such an important lesson and turning point in my own experience of practice, where I start to realize that the very things I was trying to get away from by practicing were the things I needed to move towards in my practice. Um, and that by trying to get away from them, I was actually just exacerbating the suffering I was trying to escape. And so each of us has different stories, different kinds of fear and pain that we're holding in this way. And so there's not one particular account that'll work for everyone, but in this very general way, it's figuring out where is your edge, right? Where, where are you feeling like you're holding back? And can you move into that place with gentleness, not in an aggressive way, not in a way to fix yourself, but to heal. Um, actually give it the kind of acknowledgement and care and attention that I think in, in many ways it's it's been begging for years for, you know. Um, so I have a question from email, but actually I want to leave some space for questions that might be about the practices tonight and just my remarks tonight. Um, and so um, 
at the risk of disappointing the person who sent this question in, but like, let, let me prioritize people who might have something to share or to ask about tonight's topic. How did it feel? What felt hard? Or what questions might you have about, about all of this? I have more of an observation. Uh, sorry, Wendy. Hello, Wendy. Hi. Hello. How are you? Good. Um, I have noticed a bit of a change in what you're telling us. I was rather fond of labeling thinking when thoughts would intrude and get me away from just being and breathing. And in the past couple of weeks, I've noticed that you seem to be directing us more towards paying attention to those thoughts. And this goes back to something that actually had me laughing in the middle of a meditation two weeks ago, when you mentioned that the Ram Das quote about if you feel truly enlightened, go spend a week with your family. And um, it, it seems like such a contradiction that family who should, would hopefully be the closest beings in your heart and thinking could put up roadblocks to your breathing and practice. And perhaps you're saying maybe we should be paying more attention to why that is. So Wendy, there's a kind of continuum. I mean, the, the stuff you're talking about like that, I, that you picked up earlier, right? About just noting a thought, but then returning to the breath, right? I think that's an important practice. Um, it's important to be able to develop the ability not to get caught up by your thoughts, you know, and to be able to, you know, to redirect your awareness um, back to the breath or to some other kind of anchor. But I think actually it's consistent with, yeah, I think, and I think you really put it well, it's like, it's, it's important at some point to use that power. I don't know if that's the right word, but that, that ability to actually gain deeper insight into both the thoughts, the feelings, and the sensations um, that, um, that characterize our sort of psychological patterns. Because otherwise, they'll just continue to operate in the background, right? If we don't get any kind of insight into them. And so just simply returning the breath can be wonderful, but it's only a temporary kind of respite, right? From the kind of monkey mind. And so um, the kind of like, actually transforming those underlying patterns, like why you think a certain way, why you feel certain ways, why you hold yourself back in certain kind of situations, you know, um, that requires the kind of work that we're doing tonight and the last couple of weeks, which is moving into those kinds of patterns, whether they be mental or physical and often it's both, right? There's a mental and a physical component. So it's a continuum. It's not, it's not one's not superseding the other. It's like that both things are important. Both ways are important to practice. Does that, does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thank Great. you. Thank you, Wendy. So it's a, it's a really good observation. Yeah. Um, I had an observation about the approach. I've been occupied with my neck tension a lot <laughs> for years. And I've never, this is completely a new way of uh, looking at it. And I really appreciate that. Mm. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Jealous.
I have a question. Michaela, hi. Hi. Um, so how, how do you know or can you know if attention you're feeling is purely physical or there's a psychological aspect attached to it? And like, how do, how do you kind of approach exploring the mental side to attention you're feeling? It's a really good question. I'm glad you asked that, Michaela. Um, so some tensions are just tensions. You know, so I, the last thing I want people to leave with is this idea, this kind of paranoid idea that, oh, every time I have attention somewhere, it must be some deep psychological thing, right? No, sometimes we just like, you know, we tweak our back or whatever. We like look to, we, we, we looked at our phone for too long yesterday, right? Or something like that, right? Um, and so I think this is why, like, it's just over time, I think you start to sort of sense, like, first of all, that that tension keeps coming back, you know, like why do I always have this particular band of tension here? You know, um, why is my neck tight in this way? Why, why is my jaw always tight in this way? You know, um, and it makes sense at first maybe to, to try physical remedies, maybe physical therapy or, or just stretching or just not, you know, do, but then I think if it's the kind of tension that has psychological roots, it will keep reemerging. And after a while, I think, um, unless you're in denial like I was in the story I told, right? you're gonna to start to put two and together say there's more going on here. And then you'll start to you know, sense that there are certain kinds of emotions, certain kinds of thoughts that also are associated with this tension. And the meditation practice gives you the kind of ability to notice those connections. I think without meditation, it may be hard. You, know, you, you won't be able to notice what kinds of thoughts are actually happening um, as you experience these physical symptoms. But one of the things that meditation practice allows you to do is just to see more clearly oh, that thought is often correlated with this physical tension, you know? Um, and over time you start to piece it together. It's not something that actually you should analyze or try to figure out mentally. It's something um, that you should actually just, a pattern that you should let emerge over time through observation. You'll start to see the connections. Um, analysis, thinking about how to figure it all out, the solution all that is actually a really, classic way of avoiding, you know, the moment, right? Um, so I'm so glad you brought it for all those reasons, right? It's, 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 they're different wrinkles to that question and they're all important. So thanks, Michaela. Did that, I don't know, did that settle? Is there, did that, that answer the question for you? Yeah, it did. Um, it gave me a lot to think about, but hopefully not overanalyze. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Michaela. Um, We have time for maybe just one more or, or not. It's actually 829. Maybe this is good. I mean, this is something that I've covered before. We're gonna to return to it over and over again, right? It's, um, so there's no need to get it all settled tonight. Um, maybe next time I'll actually say less and leave more time for questions. Um, so wonderful to see you all. Um, Wonderful to see a lot of new people here tonight too. So it's really, it's really great to see you. Um, and I look forward to seeing you guys next week. All right. So good night, everyone. Thank you, Bernie. Thanks, Bernie. Thanks, guys.